We're going to talk about health and wealth, the winning strategy. Amen. Health and wealth, the winning strategy. We're uh, talking in the afternoons about the watchman revelations, things that God has revealed to us to help us to do the work as watchmen. And and, um, it's uh, vital that we obey and understand 3 John 1, 2. 3 John 1, 2. And John says, Beloved, or those who are close to the heart of God, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So what is the writer saying here? Why is it that he wished this above all things, above everything else? He wanted people to prosper and be in health as their souls prosper. Number one, prosperity is a mandate of God. This is something that we can do out of command. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. That's success. If when we set our hands to something, it prospers and it does not fail, that is success. When the fall came, the curse came. So with that, there were things that man began to set his hand to that were not pleasing to God, and God had to curse it or put failure on it. Since then, what we've done as human beings is not known what to do, when to do it, how to do it. It's caused a fear to come into us that keeps us from stepping out and believing for success. I think we want it. But deep down inside, we're never sure. You know, you're never really sure. Even as believers, you know, we we do what we believe to be as our best before God. And then if it takes a little bit of time for something to happen, then the doubt creeps in and we're just not sure. And so John said, if you could remove that uncertainty and you could remove that fear, he said, boy, you'd be really living then. You know, if you could just prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Now, what that means is that your, your faith will never exceed your ability to renew your mind to the things you're going after. There's a balance there that your soul will begin to be a snare to you if your soul is not uh, enlivened with the life of God. Well, what does that mean? There has to be life of God in your soul. Well, God's word has to be a part of you. It has to be grafted into you as a working, functioning part of your life. For instance, if the Bible says, thou shalt not steal, that has to be in you somewhere to the point that it never really comes up almost as a temptation. You know, now I know we all have that dream where we sitting in the front of Fort Knox and everybody going home for the night. and The door is left wide open. I'm not talking about that. Most of us would be too scared to go in there, wouldn't know what to do, and cart it away. It's, my dad used to have all kinds of, of weird sayings. He said, if it started to rain dollar bills, I'd be caught with. Finish it for me, Pastor Shirley. 
what daddy would say if it's if it started raining dollar bills i'd be caught with what um, you remember Okay, it's okay. You think he said I'd be caught with boxing gloves on. Oh, no, you remember that one? I remember all his little. He said if it started raining dollar bills, I'd be caught with boxing gloves on. You know, where he couldn't pick any up. So we've all got that thing in us where we fear poverty. We fear not having. We have a a lack mentality that has to be that soul has to be prospered out of us. See, you can stop thinking lack and you can think you're prospering but if you don't have evidence in the natural you can say you're over the the poverty mentality or poverty curse all you want to but if you have no no evidence in the natural something's not right you got me there has to be evidence there and so that's what John is speaking of. He says, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in hell even as your soul prospers. There are many people who have a soul that's somewhat developed in the word of God, somewhat renouncing uh, poverty as a wish and as a thought, and they have a certain discipline. But they haven't put it all together where they can go after it and receive it in the natural. So John saw a problem here, that here we've got believers that kind of are rich in the word and understanding of the word, but they don't have the evidence. So he said, I wish you could get it together, is what he's saying. He said, I wish what you have on the inside of you and what you've, you're studying and what you, you believe and what you say would match up in the natural in your life. See, there's, there's something there that has to pull it all together that he wanted very badly for the church to have that. Those are basic things that we pursue in life. And it's because they're so basic that they become a snare for us if we can't overcome in that area because that is the area where the enemy will attack us the hardest and the most consistently in life to distract us from doing the will of God. So this area of finances and health has to be covered by us if we're going to successfully go after and do the word of God. Uh, we, um, I know of, well, I know several people. This has happened to, to several people that I've known that had challenges in their health and, of course, their finances. If you're not healthy, you can't get a job and you can't do a lot of things that, that you want to do and that God promises you. But this individual kept saying they had to go out and minister and they had to go out and minister and they were very, very sick. They would uh, wind up in the hospital and wind up having to have blood transfusions and, and things of this nature. Now, <clears throat> I know that there is a place where you're winting. You understand me? When you're winting, you're able to function. You're able to think. You're able to do certain things for yourself because you've received it from God. You believe that you're healed and you're walking that out. Your faith is telling you to keep going and your healing manifests. You're healed as you go. But that healing's got to start showing up. Or you ain't winting. You just go. You understand? You're going limping. You, you, something's not right somewhere. 
And so this individual, we would invite this person to healing school and, and, you know, say, you know, praying for you, but can you get into, and then you'd hear they're back in the hospital again. Well, this person eventually passed away. What they thought they were supposed to be doing, and this is a trap people can get into, your mind will get you in works pretty soon if you're not careful with this kind of stuff. When you go after divine health, you've got to check in with God on your progress. So he's your physician, right? You don't just grab a scripture and go running off winting and never check in with the physician to see how you how am I doing, God? You know, is this, is this all right? You know, when is it gonna come again? <laughs> I don't like this, it's gone too long being right here can we eat You check in. And what many people do is they get over into some weird works mentality that if I don't go minister, God's not going to there's no faith there. You see the difference? See, there's faith in winting because you got it from God. I believe I receive it. I'll go went. You know, and you know that. There's evidence because as you go, you get better. You got me? You're healed as you went. There are some people who are healed and know they're healed and still have symptoms and don't bother them one little bit. You understand what I'm saying? It's they're not moved into thinking they got disease and they keep running back to the natural trying to get something because they got it on the inside. That's totally different than if you are thinking that you've got it and there's no substance there. When you're healed, there's substance there. And let me tell you what substance does. If you you're sitting there and you're, you have symptoms and your symptoms are trying to convince you to do something in the natural. Mm-hmm. At the end of the conversation, if you decide you're healed, mm-hmm. you have peace about it, you can go about your daily routine and that thought don't keep bugging you. Why? Because you've put the omega word on it. So this is the final word. This is the verdict on that devil. I'm healed. So you've rendered a verdict on this thought from, from the dark side that keeps coming to you trying to get you to go over and put your faith over in his corner. You put your faith over in the natural, you might as well go to the doctor. Because you just go get you some help and go get you, you some relief. But stay in the word if you want to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Your soul needs to prosper yet more. There's no condemnation there. There's no judgment there. There's just, God, I tried for it. I didn't quite have it. I'm going to get me some natural help here. But I'm coming back here. Preach. My faith is in you. I still want the best you have for me. See, it's not about whether or not you're going to die. I crossed that a long time ago, folks. If y'all think I'm scared scared of dying, I got news for you. I die in the Lord. If I live, in, I live, I live in the Lord. If I die, I die in the Lord. If I live, it's probably better for y'all because y'all would sit up and talk about me bad and try to have a nasty little funeral for me. So I ain't going under them circumstances. Caught you. 
everybody get up and try to say something and drag on for 14 hours. I'm not having it. Going out on God's terms. <laughs> but I'm not scared of dying. I've been scared of dying over 30 years since I first got saved. I realized that I wasn't the devil wasn't going to convince me to take my life. I said, well, I guess I'm going to live, and I'll live as long as I'm here. You understand what I'm saying? And I'll live for God. How we get over there. But your soul must prosper to the point where it will extinguish every thought that doesn't connect your your being to health. You get a symptom. You know, I, I'm, I go through this thing because of age. You know, I've never been this age before. <laughs> you, know, you don't know what to expect. I'm thinking I'm expecting health and healing, but I get symptoms here and there. And then I wonder. But at the end of every bout in my mind with, am I, am I well? Am I sick? Should I do this? Should I do that? Then I go through this, you know, uh, maybe I should take my blood pressure. Or maybe I should do a blood sugar test. Or maybe I should. Do, then I'm looking at my 600-pound life. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's stuff out there. If you want to feed your brain with nonsense, you can, you know. Should I, should I take some cure? You know, it's going to cure me. And at the end of the, the day, I'm like, you know what, God? Uh, none of that stuff moved me to go do anything other than what I'm doing now. I think I'll believe you some more. And I think I'll take some more word. And I think I'll, you know, hang on to divine health, my faith for divine health some more. See? So you prosper and you are in health as your soul prospers. And as the days go by... And you've decided that you're healed. Those thoughts come to you less and less. Mm -hmm. See right now I'm not sure if I'm 25, 35, 45, 75. I don't know what age I am but whatever it is I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. So at the end of the conversation with yourself, if you can come to the conclusion that you're healed and you have peace about it, you've got God's handshake on that. Peace means that he shook your hand and he's agreement with you and he's holding it up for you. He's holding you in divine health. And so we can't be afraid of this, folks. I think the biggest fear is people afraid. Well, you mean I can't go to the doctor? You, mean you can go anywhere you want to go. I'm not your mama. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, you go anywhere you want to go. I didn't tell you you can't go nowhere. See, what the carnal man lives on is fear of natural support being taken away from him. But you don't live out of the natural anyway. So why are you listening to what your natural man is saying to you? You're a spirit being. Your spirit feeds on the word of God. This is where most people fall down. They don't take enough of the word of God. Take a little bit here. How much do I have to take? See, that's the wrong question. See, the instruction is take it till you're healed. How much you tell me after you're healed, then you'll know how much. You won't know until you get to the end of the... 
this isn't hard to do folks it just takes a decision it takes a decision to move against the fear same thing with giving Mm -hmm. you know there's so many of us have played around with tithing we want to tithe we're not sure we can Mm -hmm. you know it's okay because we we're not making much money but you know some of the people make the most give the least we all know that that's biblical Jesus, when he was standing there looking at everybody's offerings, the Pharisees came. I, I've seen people do this in churches. All the tithers stand up and wave your envelopes. And, or they write it down in a report every week. And you get it printed. You know, people that give the $2 or the 50 cents are always at the bottom of the list and you always want to move up. Sometimes we tithe, sometimes we don't. You know, and the devil knows where he can get us to. See, the thing of it is, sometimes the thing that you're waiting on is dependent upon consistency and not amount. So I'm going to say it again. It's consistency and not amount. See, it's one thing to, to dive into the word when you're depressed and stay in the word real tough for a season and come out and go months without even looking at so so really sometimes your answers depend more on consistency than it does amount as jesus told the pharisees he said you he said i see what y'all do he said you got enough money to give twice that much but you keep it to the penny of the tenth because you think that's pleasing to god he said and i'm looking at this widow she don't have nothing left in fact, what you got is probably some of hers. You stole from her. Because the Pharisees did that. Took widows' houses. and Preachers still do that. They don't care where that money comes from. They don't care the condition of the person that gives it. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to, to realize that that kind of stuff still goes on. And that God wants us to do things by faith, trusting him, that your giving's a vow. You've told God you're going to do that. See? He feeds you every time you come to service. He takes care of you in between services. So he's looking for us to be consistent. But many times we play around with that. We just don't know how to vow something and leave it alone. The devil's always tempted us. We always got a good excuse for going using the money we've already committed to God. God wouldn't want me out on the street. Well, if you give consistently, you won't be out on the street. Now, David, tell us that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. See? That means you got a house and you can cook your own food and have what you want when you want it. Amen. And so it's these things where the enemy can pry us loose from our commitment in health and wealth, prosperity, that he's able to distract us from what we're really here for. And what are we really here for? We're here to preach the gospel to every creature and to invite all men into God's kingdom. But John knew that you can't do it if you're worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to eat. 
you're going to drop what you're doing for God, run off and get a job that won't allow you to come to church. Mm-hmm. Or when you come, you're running. Or you're tired or you've got to run back out again. Right? So you don't, you don't ever make that connection with God that's necessary to keep you prospering and in health. Mm-hmm. Because if you're running and you don't have time and you can't do this and you can't, and there's all kinds of emergencies in your life, you know what I'm saying, you can't really make a commitment, then you're not going to be consistent enough for these things to be in your life by faith. And when I say by faith, I mean that you know, that you know, that you know, that you're healed, you're whole, you don't have to worry about your money, your job, you're secure in your job, you always have a job, you have a good job. If you want more out of your job, you have a plan from God how, to, how that's going to happen. So you have all of that laid out for you, and there's no extremes in your life. I know it sounds boring. <laughs> Not to have to run off and go do something for somebody, but that's really not the life God intends for his people. He wants us to be led by his spirit, to live a full life, a prosperous life, and a life where we have fruit that we have collected for him. And many people don't know how to set aside their concerns long enough to get with God so that they can go and bear fruit consistently. And so what happens is little bit by little bit we get drawn away. We're not quite feeling as good as we need to. We're not quite, you know, we got to work an extra job because this popped up or that popped up or this popped up or that popped up. Look at all the things that God brings to people that they worried about. And that worry took a toll on their life. It took three years out of your life worrying when you could have trusted God with it because he brought it anyway. You know, see, this takes away from your peace. It takes away from your sense of commitment. It takes away from your love of God as well. Many people don't do more for God because they ain't as in love with him. You know, as they think they need to be in order to work for him. See, if you love somebody, you'll give everything that you have for that person. And see, when we hold back, we don't have time. We can't do this. Love isn't there. Love's not there because we're not prospering and having the things that we need out of life. So, you know, your love kind of gets dry and it gets cold and, you you know, you're not as enthusiastic as you used to be. And, you know, do things later and later and you got to do this and it's a chore. See, the chore people eventually backslide because it's gotten so burdensome to them now. They got to vocalize that to people. You know, you got to tell the person next to you how much you do for God and you don't get anything back. You see, that's true. So then you go missing not doing anything sitting at home where you used to this used to be your joy and your delight to serve God so what happened that thing prosper and be in health got you because you didn't master it 
see what I'm saying? We got to master these things if our joy is going to be full. Amen. Got me? You got to you got to learn how to get yourself in the Word for the things that you need. Basic things. Lay this foundation once again for basic things so that your joy can remain full in God. You're not disgruntled about what you have to do for God as though he's got a knife in your back, you know, he's, or a gun to your head. He's not, uh, you know, threatening to kill anybody if they don't, you know, carry a tub in from the, you know, from the trailer kind of thing. Or if you don't prep the vegetables for the salad, you know, you understand what I'm saying? He's not holding a gun to your head for you to do that. But see, if you don't master Third uh, John 1, 2, yeah, it, you'll feel like that. See, you're, you're trying to, to get things from God without mastering your soul. See? It is. And see, you see, what happens is somebody can come because your soul isn't prospered in God. It doesn't have enough of the life of the word of God in there to help you to live and to have joy and to have, have contentment and expectation of good every day. It's fertile soil for the enemy to come and say, you do more than anybody else around here. See, they make you do everything. As though you're not going to get a reward for it, but you know, you, you know, and then pretty soon you, you didn't get that job promotion you wanted. Why don't you get the job promotion? Well, uh, I had car trouble and I couldn't get to work all the time. Well, why didn't you talk to God about your car trouble and ask him to fix your car for you? Well, see, I, I had neglected it and all this. See, it's, your soul is very darkened. And see, people will live like this for years and, and work for God like little robots and not have a sense of connectedness to God where they can expect good. See, working for God and expecting bad all the time is, is wrong. See, it's sinful. If you're going to work for somebody, you have to work for them with a heart of love if you're going to get everything God has for you out of a situation. See, faith works by love. It doesn't work by anything else but that. Other than that, the heathen could come in and confess the word like we do and get all the blessings of God and not have to. See, love is what separates us from them. We have the love of God in our hearts. And so that, that helps cover a multitude of our faults and our misgivings and all that kind of stuff if we can, can get back into that place where we know we're right with God. And we, God forgive me, I, I, I just went off on, I don't know why I can't get my mind to stay straight on this and, and go ahead and enjoy you and enjoy what, what I'm doing. I used to enjoy it, God, I don't enjoy it anymore. Maybe I've let that expectation that never happened for me get in there and turn me against you. You don't have to be real smart to pick that up. You just have to accept it. You know, when that word comes to you, you've got to agree with it and let God help you deal with that and get that out of there. That happens to everybody. Everybody that, that does anything for God and looks at what the neighbor does. Remember the three guys that, that, that got hired 
in the same day. One was hired early in the morning. Yeah, for a couple bucks. Then he saw one hired him at noon for the same pay, and the one got hired at midnight for the same two dollars. They were fine with what they they were making until they talked to one another. Stay off of Facebook. Stay off that phone complaining and grumbling. And See, that'll get you in trouble. We all been there. You all been there where you got on there, you was upset about something that you thought wasn't fair, and you ran and gossiped to somebody about it. Then it backfired on you. See? So we all been there, so we know better. You know better than to go there. So what you do is when you see people in that shape, you start distancing yourself from them. Then they wind up finding maybe one more person that's just as stupid as they are, and then they both wind up at a loss. See, Can't work for God anymore. Wish you were back in that place where you could just go in and get hands laid on you. Amen. And get rid of a pain or, or, you know, God, you knew God would work a miracle for you. Now you're totally over in the natural believing for natural help mm-hmm. on everything in your life. Mm-hmm. People who aren't even believers hardly. Mm-hmm. They get a miracle and you can't get one. Mm-hmm. Right. You need the same miracle they need. Mm-hmm. They got theirs and you can't get yours. See, you got a covenant that works wonderfully if you live up to your end of it. But man, it'll hurt your feelings if you don't live up to it. Because you'll see many other people prosper ahead of you. And see, what we do sometimes is we look at people and we pick them apart. Well, they don't do this and I do that. And they got something and I don't have it. Well, they ain't half as smart as I am, and I, I got the same education they got, and I, I, they have that, and I see this is comparing ourselves with ourselves instead of to Christ. Right? So all of this is because your soul doesn't prosper. Prosper, you got a soul that's got to prosper, so you don't sit there and nitpick and wish and be disgruntled and mad at God because you're looking at what you think everybody else has mm-hmm. you know yeah. you want my blessings you got to have my obedience yeah. Yeah. my days of complaining being disgruntled left me that stuff left me so many years ago my days of being offended and being mad at people and all this kind of holding grudges, that left me so long ago. You understand what I'm saying? You couldn't go up to the altar and pray right for people if you had all that stuff bundled up on the inside of you. So, you know, you, you've got to understand that there is a price to pay for this. And that price means that you've got to challenge yourself to think on a higher level. Challenge yourself to do it. This isn't between you and anybody sitting next to you. It's between you and yourself. Can I challenge myself with nobody looking and nobody to pat me on the back and no ribbon to get for it, no medal to get for it? Can I challenge myself to live higher in God so that I can put myself in a winning position, that I can have a strategy that's going to help me to win every battle I get into? Because if you get called out, off the battlefield 
you know, to the triage, you know, <laughs> then to the infirmary. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Your mind will be so consumed with you. This is where the devil likes to have us. Have our life consumed with thoughts of what about, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? When is it going to happen to me? When am I, when am I going to meet the one? When is he coming back? When is he leaving? When is he, you know what I'm talking about? Where'd he go? I don't care, but we got to have something in there rumbling around to cause me some upset. And so Jesus wants us to be at peace in our souls about these things. And when our peace is disturbed, we have a plan to get our peace back again. Now, why is that so important? Peace is a sign of an accepted and working covenant with God. That's a sign of an accepted and working covenant with God. Peace is. We have a bond of peace. You know what that is? Peace bails you out. Mm-hmm. When you've been bonded over, that means somebody else is paying for your trouble. They put up the collateral for you. Mm-hmm. They've done all the toil for you. So you've been bonded over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And peace ensues when that bond is in force. You give him all your liabilities. Lord, this, you know, I was going through a thing. I had enough nerve to step in a hole in Aldi's. I'm, I'm already winting. I step in a hole in Aldi's parking lot and there I went again I told told Pastor Shirley I said it looked like a little man is laying there it's a little man's head my knee has swollen so big it looked like a little short man was laying in the bed beside me it's a little head there hey it's better than moaning about it what can I tell you take my little medicine my <laughs> you know when you're tall they're never tall You know what I'm saying? So that's just my my lot in life. So I'm sitting there looking at this. So I say, well, Lord, I don't want to say I don't want to be well for so-and-so. I said, but let me stay off of it for a while and get with you and see what you do, what you say. So Pastor Shirley did the Sunday meeting for me. She and Chuck rolled on down. <laughs> Got a little hump in their back and rolled down to the... And Miss Wanda did the Saturday meeting. And, and so, you know, I, I know they'll fill in, but I don't like being absent. I don't. If God calls me elsewhere, something different. But, you know, if I'm not able, then I don't like that. And so I talked to the Lord about it. And I said, well, God, I said, we'll set a time where I feel like I want to be back on my feet again. I'll stay off my feet, stay in the word, whatever, whatever. So it wasn't really going down fast enough. So I see this commercial on television. (laughs) A little little creep over into the natural realm. Mm -hmm. Tommy Copper. Knee braces. How wonderful they are. 
so I, you know, I got this thing on Amazon. They get it to you in two days. So I order my Tommy Copper. And then the first order is rejected. I said, oh, Satan, I rebuke you. <laughs> so I shot it through again. You know, Tommy Copper's coming. Help me. I put Tommy Copper on, and I never have a swollen ankle. My ankle went boom. <laughs> So the sweater went from the knee up to the ankle. I didn't notice it, but I had my boot on, and the boot was tight. I said, where's my boot tight? The copper didn't mess me up. And the knee felt good. But then I got, hmm. So I said, I'm going to call Howard and see how Puffy is doing, you know, <laughs> Puffy hand situation. I was going to commiserate with him, and I said, no, I won't spread this around. I'm going to keep this between me and the Lord. So I went looking around my house for another natural remedy. So I found an old ace bandage that was so stretched out it wouldn't even stay on my foot. I woke up. Every time I stood up it fell down on the floor. It was like like rolling out a carpet for me or something as I was going. I said, well, Lord, this isn't working real well. I said, why don't I just get back in my word, crawl back. And I'd have wasted four days chasing some natural Tommy Copper, I know better. I know better. But see, the enemy will come in any way he can to see if he can waste your time, your energy, your attention on something that he knows is not going to work for you. So I don't know where Tommy Copper is. I threw him out. I threw the old ace bandage out. And so by, by this past Wednesday, it was fine. You know, everything was down back to normal again. Here I am still wenting, got a little stiffness, a little soreness, but I'm being healed as I go. It's getting better. Even with a setback, it can still get better. And see, this is the thing that sometimes we fear. We fear what's going to happen if this happens again. Well, it happened again. So now I know it didn't kill me. No Tommy Copper. I should try to get my $29 back. Right, amen. But our winning strategy is to prosper, be in health as our souls prosper. Now, this is something that God gave me as a mandate for this ministry. He says, I want you to, to make things happen in that ministry in such a way that my people are well. They don't have to worry about things. They know how to pursue, and this is why people leave, I'll be honest with you, because they don't like the fact that nobody feels sorry for them because they can't do this. They think they can't do it. They think there's something different about them than every, see the devil plants these ideas in people's minds. Plants these ideas. I don't care how long, what kind of plant you got. If you keep water and sunlight on it, that plant's going to grow. I don't care if it's a little cactus and it grows a quarter of an inch every four years. It's still growing. It's the same thing about you and your spirit. As long as you stay planted in the house of God where there's the word and the spirit and truth, you will grow. You are growing. You don't censor what God's doing in your life because you don't like your life. 
See, there's nothing wrong with our growth. We put a false judgment on things. Looking around at everybody else. And we decide we don't like where we are. So we decide we don't like our life. And so we set about trying to do something to make us like our life. And the more you do it, the more disgruntled, the bigger hole you dig for yourself. You might as well stay and say, I'm growing, I'm planted, I'm planted, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm planted, I'm planted, I'm growing. Yeah. I may not like the growth that I have, but who told me to judge whether I like me or not? Because God loves me. And he's the one who's making me grow. And he's the one who has me planted. And he's the one who's going to judge me in the end whether I did his will or not. He wants to free us up from the tyranny of things. Wanting things. So that he can really prosper us and show us what kingdom life is all about. And it's not what you see on TV with preachers who have their own airplanes. Nothing wrong with having your own airplane if you need it, I guess. But that's not the kingdom. See, that didn't get much applause right there. Let's see, we're, we're so in tuned into... Presto. Here it is. If you had a mailing list of 10 million people, you'd probably get $10 million if you sent out a letter. Do you understand what I'm saying? It might take you a few years to get there, but if you can do that, you can command that kind of money. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink. Where have we ever got the impression that it was material wealth? In material things. But the Bible says it's the sense of peace and joy through righteous living. See, living right and feeling good about it, that's the kingdom. Living right no matter what you have material that you're feeling good about yourself, that's the kingdom. Appreciating what God does for you, that's the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to go out and sell anything. Don't go out and sell nothing. Enjoy what you have, but enjoy it in the Lord. See, enjoy it as something that is coming to your life to make your life more pleasant for you. But it's not your life. It's not what you go after in life. You need to make it learn how to make it come to you. That's kingdom living. Amen. Amen. Huh? And when you learn how to make stuff come to you, that's mm-hmm. that's what Jesus did. Well, I thought he had him over a barrel. Well, yeah, do you? Somebody asked me, it's Peter. Somebody asked me if we pay taxes or not. And Jesus said, well, I guess. He said, give me that piece of money. Who's, whose face is on that? Caesar's. Well, give Caesar what belongs to him and give God what's belongs. See, that's the kingdom. Do you understand the difference between what belongs to Caesar and what belongs to God and will you give it to each of them in that order? That's kingdom living. 
he always told them principles about kingdom living when they come to him trying to make him nervous about something Caesar. Caesar who? Huh? Nobody got time for that. So Jesus said, yeah, I pay taxes. Give him that money. He said, I tell you what. He said, go down. Huh? Pull that fish out. And Peter, I'm going to make it easy for you. The last time I told you to do that, you had to go down to the marketplace, find a buyer, sell the fish, and get the money. He said, I'm going to take two steps out of that. He said, I'll put the money in the fish's mouth. And you go, since you're so nervous about Caesar, like he can't wait for his money, we'll give him his money right away. Huh? So God understands how to make provision for us, but he doesn't want us pursuing a life that will just bring us things. He wants us to live life for him and command things as they're necessary and as we desire them to come into our lives by living for him. See, faith will bring anything into your life you need. Obedience will bring anything. People don't don't equate this the right way. But faith will do it and obedience will do it. Obedience sometimes doesn't have to have a lot of faith on it for God to honor it. Great faith, little faith, what do we know? You got a faith tape measure out there? You had a scale that weighs your faith so you can tell God how much you got? Huh? You don't have one. So you got to trust him to do the right thing on your behalf whenever you set your best out there in obedience to him. God allows obedience to come into our lives so we can keep everything in the kingdom. Nothing out there for the devil to grab hold of and lay claim to. And have a claim on our lives. So that's why he requires obedience. Jesus was obedient to the Father. God doesn't require anything out of us. He doesn't do himself. When he says don't steal, he don't steal. We said don't lie, he don't lie. You understand what I'm saying? Don't kill, he don't kill. He can. He does legally, lawfully. He'll do it under certain circumstances. You got me? We had a man that was at the UN that thought he owned the world because he's got oil that he sells to almost the total world. So he's, he's a dictator. He thinks he's all that. Mm-hmm. And he made a mistake. God says when you have a covenant with him, he'll bless those who bless you and he'll fight those who fight you. So he made a speech in front of leaders of all the nations of the world about the president of the United States, who is a Christian, was a Christian, still is a Christian at the time, George W. Bush. He called him Satan. He began to appoint accusing fingers. In two years, that man was sick with cancer that was inoperable, even though he went to Cuba and had it operated on anyway, and he is now dead. You understand me? There's certain things you don't do to people when they have kingdom authority and kingdom mercy over their lives when they have a covenant with God so those things get get repaid sometimes quickly by God this depends on the force 
and the destruction. So God has to show people this man that you lifted up as some great thing has no power even over his own life. You got me? So it's always good to be on the blessing side of humanity, period. Always want to bless people. Don't get excited when bad things happen to people. You understand what I'm saying? Always bless and, 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 and pray for people. But God wants us to prosper and be in health as our souls prosper. So you've got to have a soul that is ready to contend for your faith. The contention is done in your soul. It's not done in your spirit. Your spirit already is perfected in God. Your spirit can only receive the word. It can only live off the fruit of the spirit. It can only be nourished by the spirit of God. So there's nothing wrong with your spirit ever when it's born again. It's now been set free to receive and grow the way God wants it to grow. But the contention is done in your soul. Do you hold on to the mind of Christ, which understands God, not intimidated by the devil, has no thoughts of insecurity, no thoughts of illness, no thoughts of lack, no thought of anything except loving the Father and trusting him in all things. Jesus could care less if he had money or not. Now I know most prosperity preachers try to figure out a way to make Jesus have a lot of money but that's like if I knew Bertie Madoff was a thief and I let him take manage my bank account that's what Jesus did because he made Judas the treasurer of his ministry and he knew he was a thief huh that shows you he had no regard for the world's wealth Judas probably just stuck his hand up. Can I do that? Yeah. Why not? I'm not depending on you anyway. Nor am I depending on the people that give. I'm depending upon my Father. So you can hold what you want to hold, give what you want to give, not give what you don't want to give. I'm not depending on you. See, his soul was able to contend victoriously to hold on to his faith in the Father. He never had a doubt if he was being obedient or not. Just walked. He said, I must needs do this. I must needs do that. He didn't care who said what. If they spoke out of a a demonic spirit, he told them, get behind me, Satan. My name ain't Satan. It's Peter. It's Satan today. You liable to have a name change being around Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? But his soul was perfected in the word. See? And he showed us what we can do when our soul is perfected in the word. He didn't worry about the threats of the Pharisees and all of that. He just says, Father, you know what? They're trying to kill me down here. And I still got another two and a half years left on my ministry. So he just slipped out of their hands and they were standing there looking like, where'd he go? Hmm? He just simply said, it's not my time yet. My hour has not yet come. He knew how much time. And he didn't get nervous about when his time got shortened. He preached just as good and faithfully and healed people just as good and faithfully. You know what I'm saying? Natural preachers, we always worried about, well, Lord, 
How many more years do I have? Oh, Lord, if it don't get no better in this kneecap over here, you know, you're going to have trouble getting there. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Still wenting. But see, John knew that if, if you could master those two areas, you can do something. You could turn this world upside down. See, that's something the early church had. Huh? You know how we know that? They didn't worry about money. It was it was all things in common. People who didn't have anything didn't feel bad because they didn't have something. See, that's a feeling that's got to leave the body of Christ. This pride thing where we we want to be the ones that have all the money and have all the ability to do things for people and we don't want anybody to have, be, have to give us anything because we want to get it for ourselves. Well, you still ain't getting it for yourself, you little liar. You can't get no, You can't even get up out the bed by yourself. Make yourself crazy with these little prideful thoughts. Well, I get tired of being the one that's always got to get honey. Give it to me. You don't want yours, I'll take yours and then some. Get tired. I'll be glad when I get enough money. No, you will never get that much money. You know why? Because people always get glad when they get money. Now think about it. What do glad people do? They tie one on. They spend it on stuff they ain't supposed to spend it on. No, you'll never have that. Because you're too busy getting glad when you get a little bit. And see, that's why we're always sitting looking for a paycheck. It's all gone. And then we're waiting for it to come so we can get glad again. Y'all better stop that gladness, I'm telling you. That ain't kingdom living. Kingdom living is not glad depending upon circumstances. It's joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can make you joyful and you broke. Mm-hmm. He can make you so content in God. You could care less what you have. You don't sweat paying bills. You don't sweat not paying bills. You don't. You know, the devil try to make you fall out with people. You know, get in a position. You know, people, I'd be glad when I get enough money to do. No, you don't. Because it's, it's sometimes not a good position to be in. When you have the means to help people, and it's a risk for you. Mm-hmm. You can pick up other people's burdens that are on their life if you don't know how to do these things in God and in the wisdom of God and stay in the spirit of God with it. Mm-hmm. And somebody sent me a, a message on a Facebook messenger. I'm going to shut that booger down. <laughs> Always getting these weird messages on there. Remember that guy that sent you? Uh, did I show you that? Uh-huh. This guy sent me all this stuff. I mean, that was Remember my stalker, Pastor? I said, geez, I got a stalker. How old am I? 
<laughs> you know, I got, a, I got Tommy Copper on my knee. You know what I'm saying? And he's just sending all this flowery stuff on there. And I'm thinking, I said, maybe I'll answer this brother back and try to keep it spiritual. And he wasn't biting. And then one day, all them flowery messages left. I, I guess the man must have came to his senses. He said, this woman could send the police after me. Let me get rid of this stuff. You know, just as easy as it floated into my life, it floated right back out again. So much for all the adoration and whatever, whatever was, whatever was in there. You know, you just don't know. But uh, where was I? I was either. Huda huda. Yeah, I got a message. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this this person that I know, and you know, I know, I know their life. I know they're not obedient to God. They don't go to church. They don't get locked in to a local fellowship. So you know, when people like that send you messages, it's not good news. And so they sent me a sad little message there. You know, got locked, padlocked. Apartment is padlocked, and you know, my wife and myself and my dog are living out of my truck, and it's cold and. Jeez. Oh, so I didn't think about it. I just immediately thought what I had resource-wise. You got me? You don't pray about things like that. You know what you have. The Bible says if you have a means to do good to somebody and withhold it. See, you don't want to be a withholder when you're a giver. You can't do both. You get your brain screwed up if you try to do both. If you try to look at a situation and say, well... Do they deserve it? What do they do to get in this position? Is it going to spoil them if I let them stay in a warm bed for a couple of nights? Or You understand? You don't go there. You just do what you have the resources to do. When I say resources, I don't mean maxing out your credit card. See, we've got to be careful with stuff like that. That you pray about. You got me? You pray about going into debt for somebody else. But if you have resources at hand, you give resources. And so I, you know, gave the resources. And I could see the enemy wanted to give me grief about it. So I called the person. I made sure that they were able to get in the hotel because I put the reservation in their name. I paid with some points that I had accumulated and so forth and so on, never used. And so I said, is it everything okay? And they began to complain to me. So I saw that as an open door to explain to them that the reason they were in this situation is they don't obey God in assembling themselves with other believers. So you got to know what what you're there in a situation for. And you've got to follow through on whatever God gives you for that. Because people who are in that situation hide from people in spiritual authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this poverty flushed him out. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. So he could understand. You may think that you're hurting the church by not going, but you're hurting yourself. They who observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. See, it's a vain thing to think that all the churches are bad and you're the only one who's. That's a vanity. Lying to you. 
Preach. You sit up and listen to that and you start gearing your life around it. You're going to be more than sitting out. You're going to be sitting out in a, more than a truck in the cold. Right. You understand what I'm saying? You're going to be going from shelter to shelter. So I decided, I said, well, Lord, I'm going to love the brother. So the next day he called me and said, well, well, you know, we could only get the first hotel for one night. And I told him, I said, well, I would like for you to stay there for the whole time. I said, but... You know, we, we've got to have you move over. So they went over to the next one, and he called me. Well, you and I, when we prayed, we prayed and we agreed that God would give us a better hotel this time. And this isn't better. And I said, well, what I told you yesterday is still true. I said, if you would get yourself planted in a church that teaches the word, you would know that you're not doing yourself any good having this conversation with me. You need to have this conversation with God. Because if you prayed and you asked God for something and it's not here yet, you need to have an answer from God about that. Why are we having this conversation? And I thought, I know why. He didn't hear me the first time I talked. I said, if you would get yourself planted in a local church where they teach the basics about faith in the word of God, you would be able to know what to do in situations like this. I said, and I guarantee you, if you get to obedient to God on that level, you will always have shelter. You will always have food. And you will not be out in the cold. I said, because God takes care of his obedient children. You understand what I'm saying? Just showing up in the atmosphere of worship and sticking your hand up before somebody sees you being humble before God. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to do much. Just show up. And so I, I was telling Tone about it, and he said, that dude, he said, that dude, <laughs> yeah, that dude. He, said, he said, I'd be done with him. I said, no, I want him to call me again. I want him to call me again because I will tell him the same thing God told me to tell him. See, in this world of the kingdom, it's never about money. And it's never about things. It's about being obedient to God. What would God have you do? Now that you've got this person and you've got their attention like this. Mm-hmm. What would he have you tell this person? Mm-hmm. Something that's going to help their life mm-hmm. for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. See, if he doesn't remember anything, I told him, I said, if you remember anything I've told you, you remember this. Mm-hmm. I said, you get in a church, this will never happen to you again. Mm-hmm. God will take care of you mm-hmm. because you're being obedient. Mm-hmm. I said, and learn how to forgive. Learn how to keep a pure heart before God so that he can bless your life. I'll wait for him to call again. Got a couple more, a couple more days. They're paid up for a couple more days. But you understand what I'm saying? So I'm believing he heard what God wanted him to know. See, I believe he heard it now. And so when you get in these situations, they go beyond what's in the natural. What presents itself in the natural is just the circumstance that God uses to get his word into you. You understand what I'm saying? And if you're a type of person who's looking at attitude, they're ungrateful, and who do they think they are, and oh, they talk to me like that, and all this kind of stuff, you've, you've clocked into the wrong kingdom. You're in the wrong kingdom. That's not the kingdom we live in. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. I have a lot of joy sharing the word with people. Amen. You know, I really do. Amen. Prophets have to share the word with people in bad circumstances. Yes. You understand? It ain't pretty all the time. Amen. But you got to get the word into people. Because these are people who would starve to death. 
And I told him, I said, you know, you would be a tremendous asset to somebody's church if you would go and learn. I said, you're a gifted person. I said, you would, you would do well to feed your spirit. Have more respect for what God's put inside of you and go get it somewhere where it can be nourished. And it can be fed and it can be taught. And you can quit worrying about what's in the natural. But see, he's, a losing, he's got a losing strategy because he's yet concerned about natural things. See, he's never moved off of the heathen mentality where life consists only of natural things. Turn to, I think it's Luke 6. 33. We're quitting a little while, okay? I'm sorry, Matthew 6.33. Y'all still with me out there? All right. Matthew 6. Starting in 24, but one, no man can serve two masters. You've got to be 100% invested in one kingdom or another. You can't really be invested in God's kingdom part of the time, in the kingdom of darkness part of the time. You're either all in or all out. You know, if you get a little bit of a trickle from obedience to God or, or using your faith a little bit, and you go back to the natural you haven't really done yourself any good. You've got to be all in in this thing. God said you'll either love one or hate the other. Got me? Obey one, disobey the other. So you've got a purpose in your heart to obey God 100%. I know sometimes it seems like it's a wrong thing to do, but it's called faith. You got me? You do it anyway because you don't know what's coming around the corner. Only God does. So he says, isn't your your life more than what you eat? Take no thought for your life. What he's saying here is when you start worrying about your life, taking thought for your life, I'll be glad when I get enough money to. He said, you're serving the other master. All those thoughts and all those words come from poverty, lack, and serving the other master. There are people who make probably four or five times as much as you or I do that are still worried about what they're going to eat, drink, and wear. They can't rest. They don't have any peace in their job. You understand what I'm saying? They just can't let it go. They have a lot, but they can't let go of not being concerned about that. And he says, take no thought for your life. I mean, don't even bother yourself about it and when you first got saved you weren't there the devil comes up and does things now and you leave that place but you repent and you go back you understand what i'm saying you always go back to that place of taking no thought and he says nor for your body what you shall put on oh my goodness Saks Fifth Avenue, Nordstrom. And see, they get nervous when they see this. 
And he asks you this question. This is something we need to ask ourselves. When you find yourself taking thought, isn't my life worth more than, than my looks? What, is, what I've got in my refrigerator? What I've, you understand? Isn't my life, isn't there more to life? See, this is where we came in and met God. Wondering if there wasn't more to life than that. Remember? You need to ask yourself that question again. Every time you find yourself drifting off and getting concerned about these material things. And he said, look at the fowls of the air. They don't gather in the barns. They're not working at anything. But the Father feeds them. Aren't you much better than they are? You need to ask yourself that. am, Am I not better than a bird? Now, new age people don't think so. People who are in false religions don't think so. They don't think you're better than a plant or a tree. You understand what I'm saying? But yet you can kill a baby, a human baby. So you've got to ask yourself these questions sometimes just to check in with yourself and make sure you ain't going over to the other side and you're thinking. Keep yourself straight over here where you belong. But the interesting thing, he said, they don't even work for a living. Hmm. Now, don't everybody go out and quit everything tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? But think about it. If they, he said, he uses the word words toil. But they still get food. What do, what do they do? How do they get it? They go out and gather. They go out and gather. Anytime you see your livelihood is more than going out and gather, you've already stepped over. You got me? So instead of saying, I'm going to work, Sam, I'm going out and gathering my blessing. I'm going out to gather my harvest. I'm not going to toil. I'm not going to get in a sweat about anything. I'm not going to worry about what my boss thinks about me for the umpteenth time. You've been worrying about that since you first stepped into that door 15 years ago. And you still don't have that question answered. Your boss probably don't think nothing about you. Probably trying to figure out what he's going to do. What his boss is thinking about him. You got me? They go out and they gather what God has provided for them. They have, you have to be certain about God's provision for you to go out and gather. If you're not certain about his provision, you won't go out and gather. See, that's why we have unemployment among God's people. They're not sure of God's provision. So they don't go out and gather. You got to do whatever you need to do to make yourself sure of God's provision. And it might be different for everybody. Sometimes it's a lack of seed sowing. You know, certain things you just don't want to do. You refuse to do them. You need to do them. Because that might be what's lacking to get you back employed again. You see what I'm saying? God sees you busy, he sees you doing things, and he'll put you into something you're just doing. So if you're accustomed to doing, you continue to be doing, he'll put you into something that's doing, whether you're gathering money for it instead of sitting at home. But you've got to be sure about God's provision for you. 
One reason we're not sure is we're in some kind of disobedience somewhere. A disobedience will cut your faith off. It'll cut your, your, your assurance off. You don't have confidence with God. You're just out there somewhere. Because you refuse to yield. There are lots of things that God needs people to do. And lots of things. So it's not hard. You know, the story that people tell about the little family that was broke. They joined the church and, you know, they started volunteering, cleaning the toilets. Y'all know the story. And pretty soon they hired them as the custodian. And pretty soon the husband got a job in a factory and was able, you understand what I'm saying? He was busy doing something because he was confident that keeping himself employed was going to show God his faith. God, I believe you have something for me. And I'm going to set my hand to what I see needs to be done. And I expect that you will increase me in that. Those are very simple laws. But you know, people don't obey them because they're stuck somewhere. They're stuck. You know, some people have histories of, of unemployment. I can tell you very easily from seed sow at time and harvest, whatever seed they sowed to got the job dried up. So they don't have it. So they need to go sow some more. You don't ever stop sowing seed. You don't ever stop doing things that are right there at your hand to do so that God can bless your hand. And you can be a gatherer. And not just sitting watching everybody else and then saying, they don't like me. They're, you know, a pity thing. That's not true for people in God's kingdom. You have favor that's bigger than like. Why should you settle for a lesser, <laughs> a lesser gift? Favor's bigger than like. Because like depends on you. Favor depends on God. They can dislike you and still favor you. Are you kidding me? I never had a job where anybody really liked me. You know, you're a registered nurse with a degree. The white people don't like you because you, you ain't where black people supposed to be. You understand what I'm saying? Black people don't like you because you ain't where black people supposed to be. You understand me? So like is, is just out of the, you know, forget it. We don't go for like. But I tell you what, I stayed employed, I got my paycheck, and I went to work every day because like never moved me. You let people stand between you and prosperity. You just you need to get your mind renewed to what it's really about. They can't keep you out of prosperity because it comes from God. All you got to do is please God and stay out of people's way. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Be smart enough to stay out of people's way. Whatever comes from God is going to last forever, folks. And it can't be moved off your life. Now, you can move out from under it listening to people. But if it comes from God, it can't be moved off your life. So Jesus says, you're not going to get any smarter. You're not going to grow any from worry. You're not going to grow from taking thought. You're not going to grow from your anxieties. 
Then he say, can you add one cubit to your stature? In other words, are you, you going to grow any because you worry a lot? Is that going to make you better at something? Is that going to make you prosper? So stop it. Stop it. When he said take no thought, that means if you take a thought, then you tell God you're sorry for taking a thought. Because you disobeyed him. You get tired of begging forgiveness for what you think, you'll straighten up. Well, if I don't worry about it, who will? Nobody will. If I don't worry about it, what do I think about? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It's right here. Consider verse 28. That's what you think about instead of worrying. Well, that don't make sense to me. Oh, now you're getting it. What makes sense to you is forbidden to you by God. What doesn't make sense to you is what you need to listen to. Joyce Meyer said that she would go in the supermarket worried about making their money stretch. And Dave would be pushing the kids down the cart down the next aisle playing with them. She got so mad at him. And she grumbled, oh, I got five kids now. Look at him acting like a big kid. Well, if I don't worry about this, you know. One day she really started reading her Bible. And she saw that they were trusting God. If she decided to trust God, she could have some fun too. He says, consider the lilies of the field. That's what you think about. God clothed them. See, this will help your faith. He says that at the end of verse 30. He said, how much will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Considering the lilies of the fields when I get bills to pay will increase my faith. Oh, yeah. You should try it sometime instead of grumbling about it so much. He says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How shall we be clothed? For all these things do the, ouch, sinners seek. Your heavenly father knows that you have need. Well, if he knows I need him, why don't I have him? Because you're thinking about the wrong thing. He says, you got your mind in the wrong place. Got your mind in the gutter trying to figure out how you're going to have enough money to squander this and squander that and still pay your bills. Always living beyond your means in your mind. Use your mind to meditate on what you're going to do for me, for your neighbor that's getting beat up every morning. Huh? Use your mind to consider what you're going to do for me, for your neighbor. You thought you were broken. You go over there, they broke than you are. Hmm? See, if you're in kingdom-minded, you can understand these things and you'll pick up on them. But if you're considering your own situation all the time, you'll never have time to think about somebody else's problems. You'll never have time to consider what they need in their life. You'll be angry at the sinners at your job all the time because you think they dislike you because you're such a wonderful Christian. And you never pray for them. You never have a kind word to say to them. You never consider that they're bound in their stupid new age philosophy and new age religion and stupidity. 
and put them on your little prayer that you shoot through in 10 minutes and get it over with? I was going to say something, but I don't know if the kids sleep or awake. They sleep? I ain't going to say it anyway. (laughs) But what do you do? What am I supposed to think about God? Ooh, there is something. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, yeah. Well, if I do that and suppose things don't get added fast enough. We always got God on delay mode. We always got God on a deception mode. We always got God on he don't mean what he say mode. We always got God on he won't take care of me the way I would take care of me mode. Be glad he won't take care of you the way you take care of you. <laughs> you broke, busted, and disgusted, ain't got no money in the bank. Remember, we were going to put aside a certain amount in the savings regularly. Huh? Where's the savings account now? You might as well go ahead and spin it because you're looking at it like a vampire. Huh? I just want to bite you. We're not morning people, you know. Go in your bank account at night and take it out. Well, it was an emergency. You don't know the difference. Your rent's an emergency. Everything's an emergency. Why? Because you constantly take thought for those things. That's why it's because it's on your mind all the time. See, our meditation on what we lack has created a mountain in our brains. So you can't make it move with your faith, so you might as well worship it. He said, and on top of that, don't take any thought for tomorrow. Oh, Lord, have mercy. That means I can't worry tomorrow, too. No, you're going to have to find something else to do. You have to get in your word. You're going to have to pray. You have to do something kingdom related. Something that's going to get you in touch with God. Something that's going to give you some peace and some encouragement and some hope for your next place that you got to be in life. Quit wishing you were someplace else, Dorothy. Make a whole two-hour movie about a little girl and a dog having a dream about her wishing she was someplace where she's not. Now, granted, Oz wasn't the greatest place in the world, but I could work there. I could live there for a little bit. It wouldn't stress me out. Huh? It wouldn't stress me out terribly to be there. She got flying monkeys. I give me some flying dogs. And eat her flying monkeys. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to look at the challenge of life before you as something you can win and not as something that's going to defeat you all the time. 
so that you're always putting off the righteousness, peace, and joy for a later time. I'm going to enjoy life later when I get so-and-so-and-so. That's the most crazy thing you ever say to yourself. I'd be glad when I get a husband. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't have time. I don't even have my watch anymore, but I don't have time for that. Nobody got time for to go through. Unless you're going to go and get a hammer and hit him over the head and drag him home with you, he ain't coming. You're not kingdom-minded enough to prepare yourself. See, we prepare ourselves in the natural when you should be preparing yourself on the inside. See, preparing yourself on the outside will only draw the wrong thing to you. Because how do you know what he's looking for? You know, you're not a chameleon. You can't change <laughs> colors with the background. Well, he didn't like me gray. I, maybe I'll go green today and see if he like. You know, you're not like that. So you don't know what the brother going to like when he shows up. So how would you know how to adorn yourself? Huh? You might as well get on the internet or Facebook or somewhere and try to pretend to be somebody else. Because, yeah. <laughs> Because he ain't coming no other way. If you want somebody that God wants for you. Now some people really ain't particular. But you know I feel like this about anybody in this room. God's made a tremendous investment in you. You understand what I'm saying? He's made a tremendous. And don't don't take that the wrong way like. I knew it. None of them will ever be good enough. No we didn't go there. You went there with that. God has made a tremendous investment in you thus far. Let him invest the rest of the way so that you can draw the right person to you by the spirit of God. And we don't like that. Let's drop out of spirit. That's going to take. The last time I prayed for something, God took me two years to get it. Well, maybe in two years you'll straighten up. You know, learn how to stay focused on one thing and do it faithfully. Oh. Well, you know, I would have done so and so, but I forgot. <laughs> One of these days, Alice, pow! <laughs> That's what you're going to get from any brother I ever knew that, that you forgot something. And we ain't talking domestic violence either. We talking about straightening you out so you don't come in here playing games. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a revelation of some people. Or they didn't went to sleep. What are they? Me and Gigi had just talked to us. I don't care. Me, Gigi, and Chuck. <laughs> huh? But you start playing them games. See, when you when you believe in God for a husband, you got to get the game out of you. Huh? You got to get the game out of you. You have got to be nailed to the cross like you've never been nailed before. And after you nailed, you're going to get nailed some more. Yeah, some more and some more. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
In order for two people to become one, they both got to die to the molding process. God has to mold you into somebody that's desirable to somebody, spiritually speaking. You understand what I'm saying? You, you got to be able to, to, you know, to pull your weight in a relationship. You know, that brother give you access to his, his checkbook and credit card and you go, well, I forgot to pay. Oh, Alice to the moon. <laughs> Woo! To the moon. <laughs> you don't forget to pay no bills. Woo! Female trick number ought, ought, ought one is you better do what that brother tell you to do. Then don't be playing around with his money. Woo! Ouch. Woo! <laughs> you don't play with their money, you don't play with their time. I wasn't going to go there. I'm going to stick with seek ye first the kingdom righteousness. See, we're trying to pull. And see, don't say you don't care if he's saved or not. Or you don't care if he don't go to church like you do. Or he don't pray like. Don't even say that, okay? Because you can have what you say. Huh? You don't want one of them brothers that you got to do triple time praying for them on top of what you already don't pray for that you know you committed to pray for. Huh? One of them little brothers with an orphan spirit and <laughs> got to do everything for him. And I love him. Oh, you stuck. Right. <laughs> you don't. You don't know how to get yourself unstuck. Hey, listen, we all married people with past and baggage. Trust me, I married when I wasn't saved. But see, you're saved now. You don't have to, you, you just need to be obedient to God and get your mind off of having a man. Okay. Most people want to get married while they're young. They think they can enjoy certain things. Kids are asleep, okay? You understand what I'm saying? This is what puts pressure on them to just grab anything and anybody, and then they wind up with nobody. Because God's not going to stick you with somebody just so you can take advantage of them. But see, if I had a husband, ouch. I were a carpenter, <laughs> you were a lady, mm-hmm. would you marry me? You know what I'm saying. Them old 60s songs. Give, give away, get, up, get, get off them old 60s songs. All this fantasizing husband. It's fictitious husband stuff. <laughs> that husband, I would have somebody change my tire. <laughs> My tire went flat right in the driveway. Aubrey told me to call AAA. I said, I said my tire is flat. He said, you going to change it? I said, no, you won't. He said, that's what you got AAA for. You better call them. They come out and change the tire. And went right back and sat right back on that couch with that remote control in his hand. Right. And I called AAA. <laughs> <laughs> we dearly loved each other. 
but we won't go get played. You understand what I'm saying? You don't get played when you respect somebody. <laughs> Y'all just too young for this. Go, go home. Are they sleeping? They ain't grown enough for this. Everybody sitting up there. He didn't change a tire. Oh God, we gotta fast and pray. No, we don't. We call AAA to get our tire changed. This is the rules of the house. <laughs> Y'all better wake up. You ain't waiting for a man to come and do nothing for you. Huh? And men, you're not waiting on no woman to come do nothing for you. Huh? Now, they might do it, but they, if they're not happy in it, you got to go pray. Huh? You better go pray. Because <laughs> you got trouble on your hands. I'm telling the truth. You know, people get married and they're Christians and then both of them are mad all the time, upset, disappointed, discouraged, and nobody knows how to pray them out of that situation. Ought to be ashamed of yourself going to church all the time and can't don't have any more skills than that. I'm mad. <laughs> you know? Let the sun go down on your anger, and you know he mad, and you know he upset about something. But baby, <laughs> listen, making wood don't solve everything in a marriage, huh? The kids sleep. Good. Yeah. Baby my foot. Let's get this devil out of here. You understand me? You don't baby no devil and coddle no devil. Huh? You scared of him leaving? You know, I'll pray him to leave and see what you do. You'll make it. That's right. Won't kill you. You survive. Huh? (laughs) Maybe you'll trust God. Get off the spouse and start trusting God. You know, I've seen people with a good start in a marriage and ruin it because they don't know how to get out of their insecurity about who they are and start depending on God. God, you know, my husband doesn't seem to be happy. (laughs) I almost kept a straight face. Anybody got a rosary? I can make it. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be happy at all. <laughs> Kick him across the table. No. That'll make him glad. No, but you know what I'm saying. People get burdened and worried. You know, you have to do a little warfare for them and, and encourage them in the right. Stop it. You go to the back of the room. You're done. <laughs> You're done up here. But you know what I'm saying. You know people have problems, they're burdened, you don't know why. But, you know, you can make nice for years and pretend everything's okay. Huh? Or you can dig in there and find out what the problem is and get the devil out of there. And get God to grow him up and mature him. Same thing with men and their wives. You know, you know somebody's not happy that things aren't the way they wanted it to be, and and you need to pray. You need to ask God to help this person to find contentment in their life, period. They're going to need that. See, what they're mad about is not what they're mad about. 
And Jesus say that about Martha? Well, Jesus, well, the reason I'm upset, my sister's sitting there and I'm doing all the work. He said, no, it ain't Martha. He said, you got a lot of problems. He said, you came in here with a lot of problems. Your problems didn't start when you saw her. He said, that was just a capper that the devil used to get you to jump out of joint. He said, but you got a lot of problems. And I think that's what happens with many people. They have so many problems where they're not content here. They're not content there. And they don't know how to get themselves out. And they have a weak spouse that doesn't know only to pray. All you have to do is pray. God, my wife is too burdened. God, my husband is too burdened. God, they don't seem to be content. God, can you encourage them some way? God, what do I do to help? And get in there in the spirit and help God to make a good life for them so that they can enjoy life. They're entitled to enjoy life. Jesus paid for them to have life and to have life more abundantly. So the winning strategy, folks, is to secure your health and wealth in this life. There's a great penalty when there's a, a, a mandate to secure that. People who disrupt it get removed from the situation. See, we've had people come in here and leave the ministry and people get all upset. I wish they had missed them. I wish they just Come on now. How long are you going to mourn like God told Saul? How long are you going to mourn about? They've been disconnected for you so long. You thought they were your friend. You found out they wasn't. You just trying to make them your friend anyway. Because you don't want to be wrong. Well, they are my friend. Well, how come they over there doing what they want to do and you still here serving God? Huh? What did Jesus tell them? They care. Jesus, your mom and your, your family want you out here. They say, you know, uh, uh, Bay Bruh up there preaching. Or Big Bruh up there preaching. Go tell Big Bruh, I said, come on out here. Yeah, his family want him. How come we don't have seats in the front and stuff? Huh? He said, my mother and my brother and my kin folks is the one who's here listening to this word right now. Because we're all in the will of God in here. If you out there demanding I come out, you're not in the will of God. See, so rebuke his own family. Huh? So the people on the inside are your friends. And see, so you give them grief and go chasing somebody on the outside because you don't want to be wrong. I can't believe I was so wrong about them. I can't. I can believe it 100% because it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm having fun if y'all ain't. I don't, I don't have a watch. I don't know what time it is. And frankly, I don't care. <laughs> but we got to seek the kingdom first, folks. Quit seeking things, people, happiness. Yeah, ministry, that's a whole other ball, whack, ball of wax. Ministry, ministry is not a cure for insecure personality. A pulpit is not, a, not a, a cure for a person that doesn't know who they are with a poor sense of identity. And see, we got ways people, nowadays you don't get promoted from within all the time, you get promoted without. People like you. They figure out ways to promote you and get you on this 
mailing list and on that circuit preaching and all that kind of stuff and you shoot up to the top and you shoot up based on what man has done for you and promoted you and not on what God has done through your character development and faithfulness so that's how somebody with a, a powerful testimony of being delivered from drugs can die a drug addict way before their time they've been falsely promoted See, numbers is not promotion. Development is promotion. Character is promotion. You don't seek to be, you know, a minister is somebody who serves. Most people who want ministry with bad character, they want to lord it all over people. They covet authority and they covet power and they don't know how to submit to it so that it falls on them naturally. And they want to get it any way they can. See, that person will be a tyrant. They'll lord it all over people. You got me? They won't care about you. They won't care to take care of you. They don't have time for you. And they won't make time for you. They won't do it. So they're not really servants. But their their conscience is bugging them about something. And they want to fix it through a title position things that will get man to look at them differently but really they just need to look at themselves the way God sees them finally you know I don't care how long it takes you you can finally see yourself the way God sees you and be rid of that monkey on your back you got me People running around getting plane tickets going here, there, and everywhere trying to look like they're an evangelist. Mm -hmm. Now you might tell somebody about Jesus, but the Bible says he who wins souls is Mm -hmm. is not wisdom to disconnect from the source that feeds you and think you're one off. See, you're being a thief. You're trying to steal something. Trying to gather a harvest that's not ripe for you yet. And it's not going to end well. So you know that and I know that. They don't know that. Many people don't want it to end well. They just want to believe what they believe about themselves. They don't care. They don't care. And they do it at the expense of other people. Look at all the divorces that they've been of ministers and the fallout of the people. Some of those people will never get connected to a church again. They'll go to house meetings. They'll go on the internet. They'll go anywhere, but they won't darken the door of a church. Because they've been hurt and they've been rejected and they've been pushed aside. You see? And those things should not be in God's house. They should not be in God's house. So, we have a mandate to stay healthy and wealthy in this ministry. Why? So you can go bust the devil upside his head every time you see him somewhere. And you won't hesitate doing it because you're invincible. If your money's secure and your health is secure, you're invincible. You don't need a lot of other stuff. You don't need a lot of wisdom on the word. You don't need a lot of... You know, somebody's DVDs that you studied and you went to the uh, Dipsy Doodle School of Evangelism and got three 
you know, three snaps in a circle. You know, you, you don't need any of that kind of stuff to credential yourself. You know what I'm saying? You, you can just be who you are and enjoy who you are and just go out there and fight for God every day that you live. And see, I don't care what title they have. The apostles had to do the same thing the believers did. They had to believe God for health and wealth and stick to it and go out and fight the devil even if they were challenged. Even if they were were threatened. Even if they were snake bit. They still had to keep going in spite of. Because they knew that they had an assignment to conquer the world for Christ. And that's the kingdom. The kingdom is ever increasing because we are here to conquer what's left. What's not gathered in yet, we're here to gather that in for the Lord and not leave anything undone. Got to do these things. What do I mean when I say gather? I mean share Christ with somebody at their point of need. They may have a different point of need. Some people it's salvation. Most people it's salvation to some degree. Some people it's healing. Some is deliverance. Some is just acceptance and knowing that that church people don't despise them, you know. You'll know what they need when you contact them. You won't contact them without contacting God about them. You understand? You've got to make yourself open to God. You've got to get in your word and read what they did every day, the early church. You've got to make up your mind, I want to do that. God, I want to do that. I, I want to do nothing less than that, what I see right there. You find something in the word that you want to do, God will see to it that you get a chance to do it. He'll see to it you're, you get equipped to do it. He'll open a door for you to do it. Because that's what God's about. He wants to do those things. I got an opportunity. I decided I would leave voicemail messages, scriptures, for, for uh, someone. And the person kept answering the phone. I said, girl, you done picked up the phone again. I said, this your friendly voicemail, uh, dose of medicine for the day. Can you please hang up on me so I can leave you? <laughs> you know. And so when they finally caught on, she said, you know, I like that. She said, because I can play that any time. I said, that's what I'm talking about. Do I think about, do I have time to, you know, like the preachers do. Oh, I better give this to one of my deacons. You know what I'm saying. It's not kingdom righteousness. Righteousness says it's me, God. You drop this in my heart. I'm going to do this. Huh? It's keeping me out of a little bit of sin. I, I watch like 30 minutes less TV. Come on now, Lord. Folks, don't let us not get important. We know we ain't doing nothing. If God gives you something to do, it's because you've got time to do it. Cut it out. See, kingdom righteousness means looking at yourself truthfully and saying, this is my job to do. This is not something that, you know, well, this person is not, not a part of this ministry, not a part of this church. Why don't you, have you talked to your pastor about it? Oh, no. Let's get real. Let's get real. Some people need to go to the people in authority where they are. But this wasn't one of those situations. You got me? And so when you know that that's your thing to do, that God's given you to do, you do it faithfully. You do it faithfully. You do it faithfully because maybe you've done it before and you know it works. This will be a lifeline to that person for them to get their healing. 
This is why you do these things. Well, you know, I don't have time to be on the phone. I think she should come to the healing school. When is that? Two months. Listen, you need to give her some medicine now. You understand what I'm saying? Don't play that stuff, people. You don't do that thing. That's righteousness. See, righteousness means you're in right standing with God. Every decision you make, every thought you have. Every time you go to God and you have some, there's something before you. You've got to think the right way about it. God, you're putting this before me. This is for me to take care of. This is not for me to say it's somebody else's job. So I can blame somebody else. They didn't do their responsibility. No, it landed in front of me. This is my job to do. And God, I thank you for giving me work to do for you. Amen. You understand? Thank you for that. All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come before you and understand your word and your ways. That we have a winning strategy. Oh yeah, we will prosper and be in health as our souls prosper. Every day we prosper more and more. The days that we don't prosper, we make up for it at a later time. And I thank you, Lord, that we're healthier now than we've ever been. We're wealthier now than we've ever been. Because we've received the deposit of your word that tells us it's for us. And we don't have to fight the devil anymore thinking we're not worthy. Because we know that it is for us. You have mandated it toward us. You have made it a priority. You have made it a must. Thank you, Father, that when the woman woman that was bowed over for 18 years came into the synagogue, you asked the Pharisees one question. You said, shouldn't she be healed? Ought not this daughter of Abraham? be healed so we thank you lord that we know we ought to be healed we ought to be prosperous we ought to be wealthy we bless you we praise you and we thank you for it in jesus name amen praise god little howard why don't you put on some music some worshipful kind of music and we'll pray in the holy ghost for a little bit praise god thank you lord we bless you jesus thank you lord